And this morning, we have a man with multi-talents to share stories, laughter, and love, knowing that we are making a difference in this world. Please welcome Dr. Reverend Patrick Cameron. I'm on. I might not be amplified, but I'm on. All right. So it's Christmas time. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) We're going to sing a song and pray. And if you'd like to stand and sing with me, that's great. If not, please stay seated. We'll continue to build the vibration of the Most High. And that's why we do the music. It is that portal to the infinite. One portal. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room very room and know with me I acknowledge that one life that perfect life that pristine life always available in and through and as and I claim that life as my own in this moment in that claiming I open my heart and my mind and my being to that experience of spirit here and now informing resourcing supplying loving unconditionally the vastness of this opportunity in this moment I say yes to Whatever it is that I'm called to think, do, or say, I stand in co-creation with that infinite divine presence as me, through me, in me. And as I acknowledge and live from that, I see it and it's celebrated and support it and resources supplied in you and you and me. So we are in the conversation of the Most High when deep calls unto deep. And so I'm grateful in this season of light, in this Christmas season, this season of renewal, as we enter, as we say goodbye to this year and enter into a new year. It is a milestone and a rite of passage, but need not be one time a year, but every day. So whatever is seeking expression by means of me and whatever is blocking that expression, I lovingly, willingly celebrate it, praise it, raise it with love and put it down so the new may have a place to land in my being. So I give thanks this day for this teaching, for my teachers, for the love and support that has brought us together today. I give thanks, knowing everything is already complete in the mind of the one, and that mind is my mind. And together we say, and so it is. Awesome. Thank you, Brown. Thank you, musicians. So here we are. It's Christmas season, so I thought I'd tell you one of my favorite stories. I'm going to read it to you today, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it, because it's a story for children but it's a story for all of us. And it's called How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. About 1957, I think, he wrote this. And it's, it's well, see, where you, see if you see yourself in any of this. And then we'll, we'll have a little discussion. 
How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And he wrote this for Teddy Owens. 1957, it was copyrighted. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Remind you of anybody you might know? But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown as the warm, lighted windows below in their town, for he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming, I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early. They'd rush for their toys. And then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated. The noise, 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 noise. And then the Who's, young and old, would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on Who pudding and share Who roast beef, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the Who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, sing, sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this, who Christmas sing, the more Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? And then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and coat. And he chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick this, with this one coat and this hat. I look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer, the Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, scarce, there is none to be found. Did that stop the old Grinch? No, the Grinch simply said. If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max, Then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. And then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramsackled sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, Giddy up! And the sleigh started down towards the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their towns. Amazing how he could rhyme everything. Dr. Seuss. All their windows were dark. Quiet snow filled the air. All the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care. When he came to the first little house on the square, this is stop number one, the old Grinchy cloth hissed, and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. And he slid down the chimney a rather tight pinch, but if Santa Claus could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got, one, he got stuck only once for a moment or two, and then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little who's stocking all hung in a row. These stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn and plums, 
And then he stuffed them in bags. Then the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags, one by one, up the chimbley. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the who's feast. He took the who pudding. He took the roast beef. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took their last can of who hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree and he started to shove when he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter who got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santy, Santy Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santy Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'll take it home to my workshop, my dear, and I'll fix it up there. Then I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child. And then he patted her head and he got her a drink and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then the last thing he took was the log for their fire. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their wall he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. And then he did the same thing to the other Who houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the other Who mouses. It was quarter past dawn, all the who's still abed, all the who's still a-snoozin' when he packed up his sled. Pack it up with their presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags and the tinsel, the trimmings, the trappings. Three thousand feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the t- tip-top to dump it. Poo-poo to the who's, he was grinchishly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two, and then the who's down in Whoville will all cry. Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, and it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so bad. It was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes, and he shook what he saw with a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet cold, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so right, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he... He himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beef. The end. So I wanted to share that story with you because it really speaks to what we teach in our philosophy. 
We are, we, are, we are simply consciousness in form, all of us. We are, and, and what our opportunity is, because that form is not stagnant, is that we are always in the process of evolution. We are either, we are, Bob Dylan said it, he said, you're either busy being born or you're busy dying. And I, and I like that because I think it's true that we are, we are here to give birth to consciousness, to the experience of consciousness. Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, said this, and he was a wonderful mystic and, and teacher, and, and it's a reason that we're here. I still, every Sunday I chuckle thinking, I wonder if Ernest is aware that we're getting together in celebration of his insight. And he didn't really create anything, but he articulated and he synthesized in a way that gave us a, a, a threshold to walk through. And he gave us some definitions and he gave us a structure. Dr. Holmes said that life is a blackboard. They didn't have whiteboards then, so he had a blackboard. Life is a blackboard upon which we consciously or unconsciously write those messages which will govern us. So we we have our blackboard, the metaphor of the blackboard, and we are writing the messages on it, consciously or unconsciously, that govern our lives. And we hold the chalk and the eraser in our hand, but we are ignorant of this fact. What we now experience, we need not continue to experience. But the hand that holds the eraser must do its neutralizing work. One of the things I love about the season and why I wanted to... The Grinch, the the story of the Grinch. The Grinch got into envy and he got into jealousy. Anybody here ever experienced envy or jealousy? Or just me? Okay, there's half a dozen people here that have had that experience. Maybe more. We've all had that experience. And so the Grinch was in relationship with himself and with these people in Whoville. And what transformed him was a shift in his consciousness, which is reflected in the expansion of his heart. And so it's Dr. Seuss, great metaphysician, whether he knew it or not. But it really is about the transformation of consciousness, and that's exactly what happened for the Grinch. And so how do we have tools in our lives? As we move into the new year, because this is really the season of light, we're, we're coming up to the 21st day of December, and the light starts, the days get a little bit longer after that. And, and so how do we help neutralize that? What is our tool? What is our tool that helps us? Because to have new beginnings, and what I'm interested in is I don't want to throw away everything. I love relationships I've had. I have wonderful people in my life, and I don't want any of that to go away. But I want to continue to mine the depths of my experience with those people so that I'm expressing the highest form of possibility in my own life and supporting others in that. And so that is, you know, people will come to me and say, you know, what do you want? Because we're all about setting an intention. We're always about the why and the how. And people say, well, I want to have a powerful, wonderful, loving relationship. Really? Yeah, I want to have a powerful, loving relationship. Are you sure? Well, maybe not really. That's an awful lot of work. Ah. The reason for relationship, the reason that we, we want to bring people into our lives, we're, we, at the level of consciousness, there's only so much that can show up in our lives. And if our, if our consciousness is so full, a consciousness divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln said, a, a, a nation divided, a house divided cannot stand. He was talking about the issues that were going on politically at the time, but it's true in consciousness too. So when our consciousness is divided, it's an opportunity for us to look at it. It's just, a, it's just a symptom of something. So uh, one of the, 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 the common experiences and, and to, to have 
new beginnings, I believe we have to have elegant endings. And elegant endings, I looked up the word elegant, and I like the word elegant. I think it's, it speaks to peace, it speaks to uh, poise, it, it speaks to a fluidity. But elegant means to be apt, which means it's effective and simple. It's effective and simple. And I want an effective and simple tool in my life. You know? I want, a, I want something that's practical and, and can and move me out of the experiences of... of um, sometimes we have shame, blame, and regret going on. Shame, blame, and regret going on in our lives. And they're there with their first cousins, jealousy and envy. So what do we do with this? If we're having these experiences, because all of us have had life experiences. And I think the most powerful and effective thing that I can do, and I'll, I'll share it with you, and you can agree to it or not, because all I'm doing is offering ideas. This is not a, another should in your life. But how do I give those things an elegant ending? What things are you carrying with you, and what things am I carrying? I'm speaking to myself as well. Are you carrying with you through this year that you didn't get done? And I would recommend, highly recommend, because we're going to talk about it again next week, make a list of the things you didn't complete that you know are really important. And how do you know? Just ask yourself. The infinite intelligence within me and around me is guiding me in every good way. And whatever's important for me to know that I haven't completed, whether it's large or small, don't judge it. Write it down. Just write it down. And then what we can do is either we, we bring it to completion or we cross it off the list. See, there's nothing wrong with crossing it off the list. If you decided you were going to do something this year and you didn't get it done, but maybe what motivated you at the time changed and the transformation happened and it's no longer important to you, just cross it off the list. Declare victory and move on. Steve Jobs, I just finished reading his book. An amazing guy. And he used to go and tell the engineers, we're going to do three things this year. Because everybody would show up with ideas and say, we're going to do three things this year. And I think that's true for myself. What three significant things do I want to accomplish this year? And either we renegotiate them or we cross them off the list. And so what happens, though, is a lot of times what, what we carry with us through that, that incompletion is, is, as the Grinch showed us, the jealousy and the envy, is the blame and the shame and the regret. The blame is you did something to me. Or the, the, the shame is I did something that I'm embarrassed. Or the regret, I wish it were different. I wish I could do it, go back and do it again. And all that stuff can be alive for us. Those are the human experiences, and we fall right into them. We all fall right into those things. And so the tool for shifting and changing that is not to affirm over it, but what it is is to raise it and praise it in the name of love. Marcia Sutton, who we did a co-creation process this year, and we're going to do more of that this year, is that her, her, Marcia uh, developed the co-creation. Dr. Kathy Hearn came with us, and she worked with some of the people in the, in the community. And we want to do more of that this year because it's such a powerful tool. And it's really about, it's acknowledging where we get stuck. For me, it's chaos. I release my belief in chaos. I release my belief in anger. And I'm grateful that God is the wisdom I am. You know how many times I've done that since she's been here? Every day I do that practice. Every day I do that practice because I can fall right into it. I fall into the confusion and then I go into frustration and then I don't want to do that. So when I catch myself, it's like, and it was such a gift. What Marsha Sutton also said is that when we have experiences of blame, shame, or regret, or we have the jealousy or the envy going on, don't push it away, but praise it and raise it. Amplify it. We are not static. We are the thing itself, individualized, in form, here to make new choices each and every day. 
And when we have the awareness, we start to catch ourselves, even though we fall back into the same pattern a few times. We catch ourselves. It's progress. And so when you start to fall into envy, praise it. Oh, my God, I want my life to be something different. I wish it were different. I'm going to use that for motivation right now to not do the same things I did to create it in the first time. And I have the consciousness and the awareness and the support of the infinite because we don't have to know it all. Because something within us does know. I don't take myself serious. I don't take myself serious. But I take what I'm doing serious. I don't think I know anything, but something within me does know. And it's my obligation and my opportunity to speak to that and express that. And I love that. It takes all the pressure off. I don't have to know anything. I don't want, and I don't want to be normal. How many of you are normal? Have you looked out in the world at what normal looks like? You don't want to be normal. You wouldn't be sitting here if you were not in that, the family of light and the family of consciousness. And what happens is we, we, we come from normal where everything is based on personality and likes and dislikes, and I get all that. What I'm interested in, and, I, and I'm passionate about it, and I think that, that I have landed where I am for a reason, is that I want to I help transform humanity. I want to I I continue to give birth to the opportunities and the possibilities in my own being and my own experience that add value and help transform consciousness on this planet. And our t- this teaching is out in the world. People know it. You, you know, there's all kinds of... of uh, of non-secular things that are, are teaching the same thing about the human potential movement. The truth is truth. This is the perennial truth we're teaching here. And we're not stuck. We're not stagnant. We are the unbounded possibility of expression of the divine on this planet. And when we direct our faith, when we get clear about it, but I want to have enough room within my own consciousness so I can direct it. And if I'm not bringing the things that I, know I don't want to carry with me, give them an elegant, loving ending to take the jealousy that I may feel at times and say, I'm going to raise this and praise this and as you elevate the energy, all of a sudden it's transformed. All of a sudden our hearts grow, just like the Grinch. And something more beautiful can emerge. And we can still carry the jealousy and the, and the envy with us. All it is is a part of us. And if we fall back into it, we say, oh, there I am getting jealous or envious. And the envy, I celebrate. I raise it and praise it because something here, I'm longing for a different experience. Dr. Holmes called it divine discontent. One of my favorite phrases when I found this teaching was divine discontent because I was raised to stop wanting stuff. Be happy with what you got. And there's some wisdom in that. I love what Esther Hicks says. I'm, I'm, compl- and I'm paraphrasing. I'm completely content with where I am right now, and I welcome more. What great wisdom. I love this moment right now, and I welcome more. What wants to, see, what wants to, to seek expression? We are the people. We are the people changing the planet. And it's always been that way. We are the ones that come and do the spiritual work, our own spiritual work to the best of our ability. And every time we catch ourselves and shift and change, the planet is shifting and changed because we're all connected. You know, I uh, did a memorial service this last week and a couple of folks have shown up because uh, we connected at that service. But I'll, what I'm aware of all the time in my own life, my, my grandfather made his transition when, he was, when he was, I was 10. And I feel his spirit and his love in my life every day, constantly. And maybe I'm making it up, but I know there's something beyond this experience. And I know that when my vibration and when my consciousness is shifted and I move into that consciousness of love and that consciousness of support, I don't have any fear. This young man just up here singing about, about his, his, his uh, experiences with fear. But we all have those. 
So one of the tools to clearing the elegant endings is when it comes up for us to raise it and praise it. I raise my life. I praise my life in the name of love. I raise my life. I praise my life in the name of love. I'm frustrated again. I raise my frustration. I raise my, my, um, my awareness in the name of love. And to work with it. That's the, the raw materials. And we get to burn that idea on the fire of unconditional love and transform it. This is practical mysticism. Otherwise, we stay stuck in it. And then there's no opportunity for the new, the gifts can't show up that want to show up. Consciousness divided must fall. The jealousy, the, the idea that someone can take something from you. If it's yours, it's yours. And what, what jealousy is, is a symptom of celebration to say, you know what, I forgot. I forgot what my source is. My source is the infinite. My source is the divine. And I forgot about that. To think that someone else is your source or your, the, your, your place where you find your good. They're not. You are where you find your good. And when we forget, our opportunity is to raise it and praise it and say, look at this, I'm going to work with this jealousy. I'm going to work with my envy that I wished it were different. Because I'm longing for a different experience. Your soul, my soul is longing for a different experience. We look out at the world. How can we add value? What is the greatest gift we can give this year? In 2012, how do I create the space within me to, to give birth to a new idea? It is the birth of the Christ, the Christ consciousness. It is the birth of the Buddha consciousness. It is the birth of whatever elevated consciousness that you connect with. And that's up to you. Maybe you don't believe in any of those guys. And it's okay. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's alive within you and I. So new beginnings can only happen when we, give, when we, when we put down the elegant endings. We, we can end it elegantly. We praise it. Next week I'm going to talk a bit more about this and I also want to talk about the how. Because once we create the space, once we give it birth to, and, and death, we, we, we give birth to what wants to be given birth and we hospice what wants to die. Then what's important as metaphysicians is to realize that we get to set a new intention. We don't just create the void and that's it. Forgiveness is just the first step. Then it's about how. How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to make a difference in my own life, in the life of my children, the people I care about? We came here, um, Laura and I um, came here nine years ago. And in that, there was a lot of things, but we just knew in our heart of hearts this was the right door to walk through for us. We knew that coming here was the right thing. We just felt it energetically. We just knew. We came, we saw, and, and we had the experience of this community. And, and, and I had done enough work in my own spiritual practice to be able to step into this and grow with you and continue to grow. And what, but what, the periphery of that, and many times, and I share this story with you, because the periphery is, many times we're doing the work. We're doing the work. We're, we're talking about the how and the why. And so when we, we came, I came six months early. My, my, Laura stayed back in California where we moved from, and, and, the, and then Laura came six months later with our son Davis. He's my stepson, but they're really my boys. And my son Max came about six months after that. He was about 13 at the time, I believe, and or maybe 15. Uh, it's... It's been nine years, so I'll have to get a calculator out. But what happened was is that Max didn't want to come. He was, he was very entrenched in his life, his friends, and his activities. He did not want to come here. In fact, when I was sending back the packet, he said, we're moving to Alabama? I said, no, no, not Alabama, Alberta. 
Alabama's way too warm. We want to go somewhere where it's refreshing. So, but Max came, and he got involved with the teen group. He connected with these kids here, and he got involved with the teen group, and all of a sudden, the, the teaching started to work on Max, and he started to connect with people. And the same thing happened for Davis. And we knew in our heart of hearts, as hard as it was for them, because we suffered with them. Compassion is to suffer with them. We knew that that was not something that they were, they were excited about, but we knew that we, for some strange reason we were called to this. So Max got immersed in the culture. He started doing great in school. He's, right now he's, he's been here. He's in his third year of medical school at the University of Alberta. And so when Max first got here, we, we had a number of people. Wayne Lee has been involved with our community for a number of years, and, uh, and Wayne's been a great supporter for us and has done some wonderful things. But he does the hypnosis act and the empowerment stuff. And I did the Empowering Edmonton uh, um, event this year with Wayne. But anyway, so Max connected with Wayne, and every time Wayne would perform and Max could be there, he'd go and he'd want to get hypnotized because he loved being hypnotized by Wayne. So long story short, we come to last week, and Max is in his third year. He's doing a clinic. And what that means is he travels from hospital to hospital, and they give him a block of time, and he does certain things. And sometimes he works in the prenatal, and sometimes he works in the emergency room. Well, he got to the Grey Nuns this week, and they said, Max, or last week, I don't know, because he, he called a couple weeks ago and said, I said, how are you doing? He says, good, I, I delivered six babies today. I'm like, six babies? I mean, I've been there, and I've been, you know, there in labor, and it's like, one is amazing for one family. And here's Max. He said, yeah was exhausting. You know, he said, I'd lay down for 15 minutes and they'd call me and we'd go in and give birth to another baby. So Max is at the Grey Nuns and, and uh, they tell him, he gets there that morning, he said, Max, you're on uh, cesarean sections today. You're on C-sections. So Max says, great. So five minutes later, Wayne Lee walks in with his wife, Nicole, and, and he says, Max, what are you doing? And he says, uh, well, I'm here, you know, working, doing my clinic here. And he says, what are you doing? He said, well, Nicole's going to have her C-section today. So... When, and I asked Wayne if I could share this, and I wanted to get the picture of Max and, and the baby and, and, uh, and Wayne up on that. So anyway, Max helped in the delivery, of, and he asked Nicole, are you okay if I'm in there? You know, he was a little nervous, you know, and he said, oh, of course, we want you in there. So here's this young guy, and, and Wayne said to me, the transformation, here, here's someone we think of as a kid who's now done the training and he's worked his way through to be able to give uh, help with this birth of our child. And I just thought, isn't it interesting? I came here you know, with all these ideas about community and, and, this, and this teaching. And yet on the periphery of all that, what, what has happened for Max that I know has been a, a blessing is that his mom and I have created a space where he feels safe enough. There's enough consistency and peace and support and love that he can put, push all of his energies and direct all of his energies into things that help him gather the information and the training and the skills so he can go out in the world and, and, and offer a gift. And I just thought, isn't it interesting how you think you, st- you start out in a certain direction and here's this guy that's in the periphery, or he's not in the periphery, but I'm not, we're not focused on him. We just know, but he's been given, he's been launched. And, and he's doing this amazing thing. And I thought, how many lives will this young life impact in ways that are meaningful and powerful for people that don't, don't it doesn't bring us together by religion, it, it brings us together by the, wanting to sustain these, these bodies and all the stuff that goes along with that. But I just thought, how interesting to become so myopic, you think, well, we're here to do this, we're here to do community, and yet the periphery of it, the blessings of it, are, are all around us. And to, ha- and to ha- be part of that experience for him so he could have the space. So why do we come together and have these these 
discussions because that's possible for all of us. We all have gifts. Max was literally giving birth this week and has been. But all of us can give birth. But we can't give birth unless we create the space. And so if we're bringing things with us from last year into the new year that have no business being with us, then the work for us to do is to start writing those things down and say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to carry this with me anymore. I said I was going to do this, and I haven't done it. So maybe it's not important to me. Maybe I renegotiate it. Maybe it goes on an, a list for another year. But what we want to do energetically is, is clear the energy so we can be that clean, hollow vessel of divine expression. That's what Ralph, Emer, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, that clean, hollow expression. I am the clean, hollow expression of the divine. And so when we find ourselves trapped in those, those companions, blame, shame, regret, jealousy, envy, it's exactly what happened to the Grinch. And that's cynicism. The Grinch is an expression of cynicism. That I can't have it, so God damn it, nobody else is going to have it. And we see that in the world. I'm so pissed off and I didn't get my needs met, nobody's going to have it. And that's alive. Well, I had Max up in the sound booth a number of years ago and he was with another guy. And, and we were always struggle with sound here for a number of years. And, and you couldn't hear the sound to hit, set the levels up in the top, so we do the video up there. Sound's down here, Danny Cody's doing it for us today. And, and so... But the, the band brought in someone to fix the sound. And it, it could have been communicated better. It wasn't in the middle of the conversation. But they just brought somebody in because it was not good. And Max and his pal up there didn't like it. And so they got their feelings hurt. And Max said, I quit. And so I said, I get it, Max. You're upset. And you're going to quit. I didn't want I, I to tell him not to feel that way because he felt that way. But I also said, I had two choices here. I can say, you know what, my son's feelings got hurt, so I quit. I'm done. We just can't go on because one person's feelings got hurt. And we weren't trying to hurt anybody's feelings. We were just trying to have good sound so everyone could hear. The music, the talk, all of it. That's all, that's all my goal was. So I said, Max, I get it. You're, and he was ready for a break, too. You know, sometimes when you're ready for a break, you set the intention, and all of a sudden the guy comes up to help you, and you realize, I'm out of here. That was alive, too. But we, his mom and I honored it. We just said, we got it. And so it was an evolution for him. But the choices in our lives, when people get their feelings hurt, we can stop. We can stop doing what we know we're called to do because we want to make sure someone's feelings are, are, are taken care of. But that, that's called enabling. Because this whole thing, we have our personality, we have our whole emotional life, and many times we get upset. I really think that it's possible to continue to change the consciousness of this planet. I believe we're here for a reason. I don't think there's any accident that you're here today. Whether you come back another time or not, we are here to give birth to the new consciousness, and that's happening all the time. And sometimes we get tired, like the geese that fly, and one flies in front, and, and the others call, go, go, and then when he gets tired, he, they, I mean, it's amazing, the instincts. But, but we're like that in consciousness, to push it forward. When you give to this community... And we support this, and we support our teens, and we give to this movement, not just to this community, to this movement, because we care about it. Where else does this change and transformation happen? It is you and I doing the work, having the courage, and having the divine discontent to say, you know, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to go into 2012 powerful and wonderful. 
And when we got the text from Max, and then I got a call from Wayne Lee that said, you'll never guess, Max, you'll never guess whose baby I helped deliver today. And then Wayne says, you'll never guess who helped us deliver the baby. It was kind of fun to see the, the, the emails, the, the text messages come in. But I just thought, how wonderful, how beautiful. Laura and I were just tickled. We're just, you know, beaming with, with appreciation and gratitude for being part of this young man's life and, and watching what's on fire for him. But it's true for all of us. It's true for all of us to be able to give birth to that. What's that unresolved thing for you and I that's seeking expression? And that's what's, that's what's stirring here. So when we come together and we continue to say yes to this possibility, to pay attention, to write down the list of things that are on the list of things we didn't get done or we'd like to get done, and then decide, do I want to complete that? I'll complete it. And if not, I'll cross it off the list. Maybe it's later. Maybe it's 2013, whatever it may be. You know, Steve Jobs said three things. We can get three things done this year. What three things, and I want you to start thinking about it because I'm thinking about it. What three things as a community do we want to do? What three things in your personal life? And then how do you want to be? So once you understand the three things or whatever it may be, then how do you want to be to support those three things? Because chances are you can't be blaming and shaming and regretful in order for that to happen. And so when the blame and the shame and the regret come up, I, I praise you, I raise you in the name of love. I praise you. I raise you in the name of love. And we transform it. We transform it. We don't discount it. We don't have to squash it down. We don't have to affirm over it. We elevate the consciousness. That's how our our heart grows three sizes. We're bursting with generosity. We are the thing itself in form. And so this season of light is the opportunity for us to practice that. And then we become, our consciousness becomes the gift in this season of light. And so it is.